All right. Your phone? We're live, Nick. Welcome to the podcast, Nick Paul. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so, Nick, what I, what I want to know right off the bat is, because I've only heard bits and pieces of this story, is how did you first get into uh, combat sports? Was it like, was that in, from the Marine Corps first? You were doing combatives? Like, what was your first exposure? Were you like an amateur underground, like, street fighter or like what? Like, like my, my original interest yeah. came from... Before you come to yeah. the gym, like that Before whole I even started here, when I was super little, I watched Bloodsport, obviously. Okay. <laughs> Wanted to be Frank Dukes from age seven on, probably. You watched <laughs> it at that age? Yeah, like every day. I was like, that and Beverly Hills Cop, I was allowed to watch. Oh and I wanted to be Axel Foley and Frank Dukes. Okay. So I did karate when I was a little kid for a while, probably four or five years. Stopped through like middle school. Uh, toward the end of high school, I knew I was going to the Marine Corps. So I started doing boxing, weightlifting, cross country, running, stuff like that. Did some like sparring and stuff in the gym, but I didn't, didn't compete at all. Um, went in the Marine Corps. They give you some generic kind of back then it was like mcmap or some some generic mixed martial arts kind of aikido little bit of grappling uh, but i didn't actually start till i got out in 2006. i actually started watching ufc started watching like people like matt hughes and stuff like that saw there used to be an old gym called knockout that mm-hmm. that paul owned right yeah. when I, I was going to ucf when i got out of the marines i was 22 going to ucf trying to get my bachelor's degree master's degree and they opened a gym right there at University of Alafaya. So that was just so. proximity for you. You're like, hey, I want to train, and it's right there. You didn't know anything about Paul or? Nope. Okay. I, got inter- <clears throat> I got interested in it just from watching, and I, I was going to look for a gym, probably going to go look at Gracie. Yeah. Happened to see that. I think there was a subway or something in that plaza that I used to eat at. Happened to see a boxing ring. Right, right through the glass was a boxing ring, like the little strip mall. Yeah. And uh, I walked in there, and I signed up for like the whole year. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like signed Just up. Just like that. Yeah, I paid like I think I paid like a thousand bucks for the whole year right off the bat. And and did, were, did you did you do both uh, stand up and grappling, or did you just start with stand up? Yeah, when I actually the first day I went back then they had classes from like ten to one, and they actually had they had a conditioning class that was like a mixture of weightlifting, yeah, you know, Muay Thai. But either way, they had three hours in the day. So the first day I went, I stayed for all three. So one was like a nogi class. One was a Muay Thai class, and then the, the third class was like an MMA class. And it was awesome. There was like maybe three or four guys at a time. And uh, so I used to go, I'd say Monday through Saturday, three hours, and I would try to do one of each, one hour of each. of all. Three. So what was your first class like? Because I remember Steve Wynn told me when he went in, um, his first training, like he had, he had some prior experience. He went to his first Muay Thai class and... Uh, Seth Petroselli was there and it was just a sparring day so they put they started putting like Vaseline on him and he was like what the <laughs> fuck is going on <laughs> so like who was teaching back then and like who, like what were the what was it like like early on for you so I, I actually remember the first day I signed up during the day yeah. and then I didn't go I, I they said I think Seth Seth and Luigi were working the desk yeah and Seth was like uh Yep, you can come in, check it out. You can come hit the bags tonight or do a class or whatever. Obviously, I was kind of nervous because I never did it before, but I, I thought I was tough because I was coming out of the Marines, so I thought I would be good at it. <laughs> and uh, I remember I was just standing there hitting the bags, like the Muay Thai bags with no, no gloves, didn't even know how to wrap my hands, just like punching it and like 
scraping my knuckles and everything like that. And I was watching. Uh, Paul was holding pads for Ben, I think. And then I remember I came back the next day, did a no-gi class with Luigi. But it, it was like it was like they showed. I still remember the first move all three of them taught me. He taught me the anaconda choke. Probably the first move I learned. And it was like half a class of technique, and then half a class just just go. Didn't didn't you learn like a rolling, like footlock from open guard, like yep, on top? That was the so I remember the first class was Luigi. He taught me the anaconda. The second class was Seth. It was like an MMA class, and he was teaching us this rolling kind of toe hold from guard, <laughs> which I still do. Like I still it works for me every now and then. And then later that day, Paul taught, and that's when he taught me like that elevator sweep and like mm-hmm. an umoplata mixed back and forth. And so that one worked for me the best. And so I kind of started framing. And plus, everybody there was way better than me. Everybody back then, it was like uh, Patino, Carapellucci, Steve Ramos were like yeah. kind of starting. But they all had like some type of strong wrestling grab. I had nothing. I was in shape from the Marines, but I was just a spaz. And I was a kind of strong, but not nearly as strong as yeah. them. And so I remember, I think I threw up twice the first week just from like being exhausted. People would go out and throw up in the parking lot. And... um I just it took me probably six months to to get to even feel like I was hitting sweeps or doing anything. But everything, every that move that Paul taught me, the elevator sweep worked that first week or so, even though they would sweep me right back and smash me to death. Um, so it seemed like I kind of built my playbook around that one move since since I started, <laughs> <laughs> and I still do that. Whatever, fifteen years later. <laughs> um, so have were you able to? When did you put on the gi? Same time. Same time. Yeah, it was, they had gi classes there. Yeah, some days were gi, some okay. days were no gi. And they were doing the ranked rash guards in the no gi, right? At that point? Not at, not at knockout. He started that at the next At the at next, the next Yep, They would rank you like an MMA and Muay Thai and no gi. Okay, so... <clears throat> what, well, let's just jump to that because I've heard stories about that. Tell me some of your good MMA... Um, testing stories because just, MMA testing I've heard like I just remember they were brutal they were like um, those were my were, he had it I don't remember the exact colors but I remember he had it ranked there was three shirts that were like beginner three that were intermediate and then when you go from intermediate MMA to advanced it was brutal that was probably the hardest test I've ever I've ever done where you had to do moves but it was like three five minute rounds with I think two people they switched every two and a half minutes hard sparring uh, during that session and it was it was horrible. That's probably the most tired I've been doing martial arts, like in that type of I think, of like, didn't scenario. like Dylan get knocked out? Or like- I don't remember that, but I remember in mine, <clears throat> I was exhausted and I hit Viet with the best uppercut I've ever hit anybody with in my whole life. He, <laughs> he shot in to take me down and I uppercutted him so hard because I was so tired. He still took me down, but I know that, that was the best uppercut I ever threw and I know, I know he still remembers it. <laughs> For sure. <clears throat> um,. What um, when when did you see things kind of transition from fight team atmosphere to more of a it's a gym that 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 welcomes both serious competitors and casual like hey I want to be in shape two three days a week kind of thing like when do you think that transition happened was it at knockout or was it when things started to move to other locations. Because you go back yeah. long enough to actually see this kind of transition happen, I feel like. I would say it's when he split off and went to Dean University where everybody kind of broke up. Yeah. I think knockout was the toughest gym for sure, but that might have just been because I wasn't 
that good and I was taking beatings all the time. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember that being like the hardest, super hard injuries. The, the best physical shape I think I've ever been in mm-hmm. was that gym. Um, and then from there, it just seemed like they broke off. And But I think that that might just be they got more students and stuff yeah, too. There, there wasn't a lot of people at, at Knockout at the beginning. So what has your experience? All right, well, well, before I get to where I want to go with this, like, um, how long was it, like, take me through, like, your progression from white to blue, blue to purple, and, and so forth, like, because when I met you, you were already a brown belt, so you had put in a lot of the, the time already. Um, how did that kind of progression go? Like, how long were you a white belt before you got your blue, and what was that like? So, for me, I think I picked up blue belt in a year. Like, mm-hmm. that first year, I picked up blue belt, but again, I was going, like, three hours a day. I was doing... I think I was doing gi at least five or six hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up purple, I think, in four years. And then there was a lot. After that or from the beginning? From the beginning. From the beginning. Yeah, because okay. I still, that first, from, that first three or four years, I could go three or four hours a day, six days a week. Um, and then once I started working, you know, once I became a cop and then had a kid or whatever, it was like drastically less than that. <laughs> three, three or four hours a week or so something So I've been like told that. by other people it, that it had kids. It slowed down <laughs> and then I, I slowed down. Um, not doing once I picked up purple belt, I didn't do gi again f- for a while, mm-hmm. or it was rare. I did MMA, no gi, Muay Thai more. I preferred that more. But then, I want to say it took me five years to go from purple to brown, and then two years or so to go from brown to black after okay. that. So it took me twelve years total to get from white to black. And do you like looking back, like how? <clears throat> how do you view the, your own progression like do do you have like do you have moments where you can be like yeah you know something clicked for me at this point that like helped me develop like was it like oh i solidified my guard or oh i just had a realization about things or was it just just constant just like time over time kind of improvement for you for me it was like constant i think once i got purple i felt more comfortable understanding like concepts and not just moves like yeah. i could think of what I'm trying to do to try to think of like my own move or something instead of just memorizing like a bunch of moves for a test. Mm-hmm. I think once, once I got the purple, I could figure out the principles of like what I'm trying to make their body do. And then I could flow faster and the timing was faster. So it it's, I texted you the other day that I started looking at like Gordon Ryan's latest, like half guard instructional stuff and everything he's doing is what you've shown me from your half guard with the low knee shield. So my question is, when did you meet Gordon Ryan and, and show him <laughs> all that? Like, how did you develop yeah. this stuff? Because literally, like, one of the main sweeps from a... So he, he talks about butterfly half, which is with a different hook, but then he has regular half guard, which he plays a low knee shield, just like you, knee in the hip, not across, you know? And I'll be damned, the first sweep he shows... Tight overhook, take the guy's wrist, slam it into their chest, and sweep. I swear to God, oh, I've I, never, I've never even seen that. No, that, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't watched his videos. I haven't paid. I feel like I haven't learned a lot of new moves in the last three years or so. I haven't paid attention to a lot of that and a lot of the leg luck stuff lately. Uh, but for me, it was. I think you know Paul used to teach way back at the beginning. There's like some guys that are good fighters and they know like a thousand moves, and then there's some guys that like know a thousand ways to set up one move or a couple moves right so i think i've always i I think i know a decent amount of moves from each position but i've always had like a set playbook of like if i can get to this comfortable position 
then I can time stuff better because I feel like I can make their body do whatever. So I, up until four, I guess I'd say 2016 or 17, whenever I tore my ACL, that's when I started doing that low knee shield, not because I wanted to, just because it took my leg forever to get back to where I could bend my foot to my knee. I couldn't use butterfly. I couldn't do my old elevator sweep. So I literally started grappling with that huge brace on and just keeping my left leg out of the way. And then eventually I could get to where I could bring my knee into the bottom. Um, so that's kind of where it started from for me. So what the other thing that, that the other similarity you two share is that the way he and, and, and the guys on his team like to describe jujitsu is very is identical. They just use slightly different words. The way you've described it to me in terms of we want to they talk about it like presenting your opponent with dilemmas you've always talked about is like i want to limit my opponent's options to a handful and then i can time the reactions to those you know right. how did you is that something that paul came i feel like this is something because i i've never paul i've never heard paul use that language i've heard you use that language so how did you come to this like i want to know is, basically what i'm saying is how did two ideas obviously these guys are a successful team that that have win a lot of titles and you had no interaction with them, and I'm not saying one came first or the other, but I'm just saying how did these ideas originate? And in this case, I want to understand, like, how did you come upon this? Was it, how did, how did you come up with this idea of, like, I want to view jujitsu as getting to a scenario that I'm comfortable in, knowing two or three uh, common reactions that are going to happen, and then be able to time reactions to that. You know, funneling to very specific things. A lot of people don't, like... The typical Brazilian class doesn't do it that way. It's like, well, today we're going to learn the Barambolo, and today we're going to learn this. You systemized it in your head, at least. Why do you think you did that? Because I don't yeah, think other grapplers me, you came up with even did that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think for me, start, part of it, I think, is why I started doing martial arts in the first place. It wasn't just because I, I liked watching Matt Hughes or like UFC. Mm -hmm. It was because I knew I was going to be a deputy back then. And so I, I wanted to join just to be more confident and like calm. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the stuff I learned from all the different people there, Seth, you know, Luigi, Paul, and also some, there were some Gracie black belts at the sheriff's office too, is, is like picked up on different things that are more like concepts about fighting in general and mm -hmm. not just jujitsu or, or martial arts, but you know, what, what is the goal of fighting? What is the goal if you're a cop, different style of fighting, if you're a police officer, trying yeah. to, you know, but for me, it was always more defense. How do you stay, you know, like Gracie's would say, you know, how do you stay conscious longer than the other guy? Not so much I'm trying to bash you or hurt you, but like how can I get to any position I feel really comfortable at, which for me before was the overhook and then now it's like the knee shield. How can I get to like a position where I'm comfortable, where I can slow everything down so I'm not spazzing and I'm just calm and then where I know I can outtime your reaction because I know you only have two or three options. Mm -hmm. So most positions there's not – the general body movement isn't going to be like a thousand different movements. There's like two or three. And if you can time them enough, if you have one answer to them and you time that and drill that enough, I think you, you usually can do pretty well. So, so for you, me, it was more like the concept of like, what am I trying to do? And as a cop, it was just to try to stay alive or conscious. So, so elaborate on, on that point a lot. Cause you said like, I want to paraphrase like the goals when you're, when you're a cop, when it comes to like combat or grappling is a little different. Like, what do you mean by that? I, mean, I think I think I know what that means, but I'm asking yeah, you. Yeah, well, just, just different in terms of uh, 
you can't just knock people out. You can't just like punch people in the face or head kick them, right? Like you, the, it's a little harder because you have to like take people down and then control them and stop them from moving, mm-hmm. which is a different goal than just like breaking their arm or punching them in the face. It's a little bit harder, mm-hmm. I would say. And um, but for me, it's still it's still the same idea. It's you know even if somebody just ran it and took me down or something like someone spasmed me, can I just get quickly to a comfortable position? And then also I remember from. Uh, one of the classes I took at the sheriff's office, but they used to call it, I think it's a Gracie uh, kind of language, but like the green zone, red zone, green zone, in terms oh, of like distance. Okay. Right, so I've always grappled that way anyway because I used to do all three classes at the same time, so I, I would try to merge them, and plus Paul kind of teaches like that. But I think like controlling distance and then setting up your own timing is super important. So if if you're not so far away they can't knock you out, then I think you should be really close, and that's why the overhook type guard was good for me mm-hmm. or now going chest to chest with you know the knee shield means they can't hit you they can't do anything and then it it allows me to just set up the timing mm, okay. so instead of like being super aggressive and let me get the takedown and maybe get guillotined or blow my knee out or do whatever i try to it's not always as entertaining but like <laughs> try to go slower and try to just get to a position i know i can slow it down to where yeah. i can time it okay um house how much combative training did you have when, because you said you went to, you, you did karate prior to the military and then you joined the Marine Corps. What was the combatives program like at the time when you were in the Marine Corps and what did it encompass? It was limited. It was like in boot camp you do, they had five belts. I don't remember they were a tan belt. Oh, they had so belts? Yeah, they have like the, they had five belts. So you could be a I black belt, that. but it was like a three week course or something back then. Like, yeah, I got out in 2005, but it, it was like, when I started in 2001, it was like a less than a month-long course, I think, and you could be a black belt in Marine Corps martial arts or whatever. But it, it was mainly like a keto kind of arm drag takedowns, and then there were some body locks. There was a little bit of, like, guillotine, rear naked choke. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't super – I didn't feel super confident when I got out, and I definitely didn't compete well when I first started. Like, I was getting – Oh, really? I mean, like, I was in shape, but, I mean, the technique at – at knockout was way but you know I was oh getting, yeah it, it, i was getting that the form yeah, yeah when yeah. i i thought i would be good just naturally i was like mm. and then i mean there's a there was a guy that was a cop from i think st cloud his name was john peter pan he was like a real skinny guy but he couldn't have weighed more than like 130 mm-hmm. and he used to just destroy me and just he was just so smooth i think he was a purple belt at the time but it was awesome to watch like it was i had no answer for anybody for at least is he the guy months. that left and went to uh mendez brothers and got his black belt there. I'm not sure, but I know he was he was very slick, flexible, all these, you know. Did he le- did he get his brown belt right before he left? I don't last time I remember he was a purple belt, but that was like 12 years ago. He's okay. got to be, he's, be thinking, If he's still grappling, he's got to be a black belt. I might belt. be thinking I know there's this one guy that trained um but I only remembered him in Gee. Mulkerson would told me about him too. Where he's super smooth. He went to the West Coast and right before he left, Paul promoted him from purple to black to brown. And he wasn't at purple for that long. But then a year later, he was training with the Mendez brothers, and they gave him his black belt. So it was kind of like, so Paul's like vindicated. He's like, yeah, that guy was pretty good. <laughs> that but I don't know rich. if it's the same guy. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, this guy's still probably around here. Okay. Um, what, what was the combatives program like at the time when you entered the uh, police force? It was very uh, Aikido. Was it existent? It, no. I mean, it, it was existent, but it was very like Aikido-based wrist locks and stuff like that um that was 2008 when i went through there uh, it was like that type of aikido wrist lock kind of stuff shooting 
you know, stuff like that. So they're they're limited in the amount of time they had. By the time there was there was a black a couple probably three really good black belts there from Gracie also that would teach on Saturdays. So you could you could volunteer and go get yeah. some jujitsu. And I used to go, um, I used to go every Saturday and train with them. Uh, but then toward the end, you know, it got better. I used to teach a ten hour class. You know, when they for everybody that got hired, I used to teach the Saturday class. You know, for years once they left. So I think it's it's even more advanced now probably where they yeah. get I think they get 20 hours it's, of jiu-jitsu. It's funny you mentioned the Aikido cuz I don't have any direct experience with Aikido but um we've had a few more police officers um enroll at the school here and um you know they they're all white belts and they want to learn their techniques but we were doing a an arm drag and we it started with breaking a grip off the collar <laughs> and, and he taught me it all <laughs> and this one person that was a cop was breaking the grip but they weren't breaking it the way it had been shown they were breaking it and going immediately into an aikido like twist so i was watching i was like hmm <laughs> so i had him do it to me i was like i just want to feel what that feels like it's like well yeah it's just a keto thing and then you twist it and I, you know of course i i twist with it because it's like hurting my wrist and stuff so I, I, th- I thought that was interesting because, okay, so my, I guess my question is, because I don't have the experience to say this, how come we don't see that in the UFC? I don't think they're hard, they're hard to get to. Like, I, I like all martial arts, and I, I, li- I don't think, you know, I think Aikido has some place in law enforcement for sure because you're trying to, like, get pain compliance. And even some of the cheap stuff I do where you get, you know, if I'm doing, like, the nose thing or, like, Yo, pinching yeah, sure. or, like, the wrist stuff like that. Some of those grips I did learn from like Marine Corps Aikido or just like some basic stuff like that, how to grab people's hair and like pull them out of a car or the nose mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, so some of that stuff I still try to mix in. Uh, but again, for being a cop, it's like, I would say nine times out of 10 when people were resisting, they're just trying to get away. And those stupid Aikido arm bars worked for me every time. Like just a regular <laughs> grab their wrist, push their, uh, push their <laughs> tricep down. And like it worked almost every time. Like there's, yeah. there's, it's rare that people are actually trying to take you down or punch you or fight you. So that stuff still has some place. It's just not as good when they're actually like in a sport yeah, MMA it's, setting. It's not gonna work. Yeah, and they got gloves on and stuff. I, I don't know, but it's not to say wrist locks don't work. Paul used to wrist lock me all the time. He's still good at that. Yeah. So um, okay. I don't think they don't not have a place. I don't, just don't think they're. They use them for take like at least the way we were taught. They were using the keto for like takedowns and stuff, and I mm-hmm. just don't see. I don't see them working for takedowns very well if you're actually defending. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, have you had? So I remember, and and this is Paul said this. I know he said this at your promotion, uh, but he said this uh, in other conversations. I've just been privy to, so to speak, you know. Um, and he said, in terms of you know, in this area, in terms of just someone that has MMA knowledge, he's like you know, Nick Paul's up there in terms of MMA now even though he hasn't competed in MMA fight he's been in the room for many many years and he knows you know how to train fighters and all this stuff um, so my question is uh, have you had any interest in going down that route and being an MMA coach or uh, I guess the first thing is did you have any interest in competing once you'd been in in it for a while yeah I did, like around year four or five I actually did do one MMA fight in Denver in Denver, uh, yeah, it was like a charity event for a cop okay. that had been killed. So it was like three, three, three-minute rounds. 
but just regular no shin pads no you know regular rules and um it wasn't too bad like i, I stayed calm the guy was a monster wrestler kind of guy so he took me down the first two rounds and then i could he couldn't pass my guard send us back up we'd throw a punch or something he'd take me down so it went two rounds like that where i lost the first two rounds and then by the third round i actually got him down and i won the third round but then you know i lost the decision because of the first two rounds mm -hmm. but for me, it was too bad. I was working midnights. I had a two-year-old. I was training in my shed. <laughs> like, I was still getting rounds here a little bit. <laughs> like, I felt like I was in okay shape, but um, I couldn't. I probably cut five pounds. He felt, like, a lot bigger. You know, he, he, I, just, I just, I didn't have time to take it that seriously. So, and plus, okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't really why I started. Um, so, I kind of, you know, I did, I did three amateur Muay Thai fights back then, too. And somehow, I actually won those, which I thought I was way better grappler than MMA. Mm -hmm. But I would get killed in like the jiu-jitsu tournament. I won the police Olympics one, but when I would do like the state tournaments around here, it's like a blue belt or purple belt. Yeah, I, I wouldn't win, so uh, I was surprised by that. Like I, somehow I was winning Muay Thai, but not that. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't. I just didn't have time. Once once I had a kid and I started working for real, I was exhausted all the time during the day. Like mm -hmm. you know, it's just too much. That's a tough way to. And and any interest in coaching, given you have a. Uh, you know, a rare skill set, you know, I a skill like, set that's in demand, you know. I don't I, mean, I think there's a lot of gyms here, so I don't know if there's a more, you know, for me. I, but I'm still passionate about martial arts. I'm just, because I'm trying to get my PhD, I'm, this last three or four years, it's, I don't have time. I just can't come. I can't do my normal couple hours a day, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever. I just, so I feel like I'm fading You're because fading. I'm, I'm so, I'm stuck studying all the time. That's why Paul said your guard was maybe good in. 2018. Yeah, once again, but <laughs> give me a couple months of getting those legs back, and I think I think I'll be okay again. So as uh, soon as I get finished, I should be good again. I wouldn't mind teaching down the road, though. Even teach, I teach my son. You know, mm -hmm. I teach I teach some cops still in my in my shed, and some I you know I used to coach at the sheriff's office when I was there. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, isn't that like potentially a good? Because I know I would think that's a good gig. I don't know how how much time if you could do it potentially full-time because for example freddie i think has a really good gig right now he works at the range just training people so he's not on the street anymore he's just he's chilling he's out there teaching people how to shoot and he doesn't have to do anything else pretty much you know if you were to if for a combatants instructor whatever the title would be in the police force is that something that that could be a full-time job or is that someone that's they just don't dedicate enough hours to that so you'd have to do some other thing. Yeah, they don't like if he's there teach. He has to teach all kinds of stuff. He has to do like scenarios where oh, they do like okay. annual training. Mm -hmm. You know, shoot, don't shoot scenarios. So he doesn't get to just teach defensive tactics all the time. But even you know, I, I would help on those days and teach. It's very basic because you have to teach to like the lowest common denominator. So it's not mm -hmm. like he gets to teach all kinds of fancy moves and stuff like that. You're just kind of stuck teaching the whole agency what mm -hmm. you can teach. So I do obviously do want to get into teaching that's what i'm trying to get my phd so i don't know i have no idea what jobs are going to be available for me when i'm done so i might try to get some job like that or start a company teaching police strategy or something in general and that could be part of it defensive tactics or some type of class mm -hmm. um but i don't know i have to finish first to see when is that what, if all goes look, well when I'm, will you uh, graduate I'm hoping to finish like within a year but i don't know this you have to defend time. hmm do you have to defend? Like your I still thesis? have to. I have to defend the first part so I can even start. Oh, and then, so I've, I've written like three chapters, but you have to defend that before you can start. And who? And who's and on your committee? 
There's four. You have to have four professors on your committee. Okay. So you are any to, of them in? Were any of them in law enforcement? No, no. They're all like they're all social science. They're all they're all really smart though. Like they're yeah. all. It's just like uh, it's just like here, like who you get your black belt from or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like whoever's on that committee. There's like some real high level professors. Like you want to try to get your PhD. Oh, their like, blessing, yeah. Yeah, you want to have because whoever gives you your black belt obviously stays with you, but also whoever gives you your your PhD. Like whoever chairs your committee, that stays with you also. Uh huh. So. Okay. So it's not easy. It's not. It's not easy at all. I thought I'd be done. They made it seem like you're done in three years, but really, everybody it's taken that I know it's taken them at least five. Oh man. So. So. I don't want to. I don't want to go too far in this direction, but you know, you're one of the few people that that has a. That has you know, firsthand experience. If you were, if you're an omnipotent and you had control over, you know, the military and the police force, what kind of combative training, and this could be MMA training, it could be jujitsu, it could be whatever, Aikido, anything you want. Like, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you, like to do do you think things are fine the way they are would would there's something you'd like to to see implemented that would would help like what are your thoughts on just strictly the in terms of military or police force training when it comes to non wep well and i guess weapons play a role in this and that's yeah, that's why i'm talking to you like what, what do you think about that because yeah. okay let, let me let me make things more specific i've heard jocko say there's only four hours of Combative training a year for cops. I didn't verify that. I don't yeah, know if that's, that's true. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Okay. So, is there... If you could... In, in your perfect world, how would you approach that... Just that aspect of it? Because I know this is a hugely complex issue, but I'm just kind of curious. Like, Because I'm a big believer that... I'm a big believer that if, if kids know jujitsu, they're less likely to be bullies. And I think if... More people knew jujitsu. They're just any. If more people know combat sports, they're less likely to engage in altercations because they know the consequences of it, and they oh, probably yeah. have their that, their that, stress released anyway because they have an outlet for it. It to me off, and it's my opinion. I, I un, unbacked. It's all anecdotal. No, but it's correct. Like that's something that I didn't bring up, but I, I remember like that first week. Or, and that's after coming out of the Marine Corps and thinking, like, you just think you're mentally tough because they ingrain that in you all the time. Like, you have discipline. You can mm-hmm. run 20 miles or, you know, whatever. And then, like, I just remember going in there and getting my ass whooped so bad that, like, you immediately learn how vulnerable you are as a human being. And that, uh, I just was thinking, like, you could be as mentally <laughs> tough as you want, but it just means, like, you get your, your ass whooped. Your arm's still going to break. You get your ass whooped for a little bit longer. But I remember, like I said, those guys were mauling me. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, so there is that, but like for sure, the fact that I got to train three hours a day or whatever for three years before I became a cop definitely made me calmer and more confident and definitely safer, you know, Mm -hmm. where I never got beat up or taken down or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think obviously jujitsu for cops is the bait, you know, is is the good base to have being able to take somebody down, control them. That's what you have to do. Not strike them if you, if you can avoid it. But then, like you said, there's also stuff, you know, we, they would try to integrate. There's a, there's a bunch of programs out there for cops to take, um, but it was usually voluntary, extra special training. But things like Krav Maga, you have to know how to do stuff with, like, a long gun, things like that. So you have to know how to do stuff with a weapon 
you also have to know how to do basic grappling and control. For 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 a law enforcement officer, are these classes? Um, is this something that they could enroll in and get? So, even if it's not, I guess I guess what I'm asking is, is that something that they'd have to pay for out of pocket themselves? Do no. they get help with that? The the agency would pay for like, some agencies. Okay, would pay for like special training like that. Like there there's. But would, that person would have to show the initiative. Like, hey, yes. I want to train this. Yeah, it's not, it's not being mandated. It's not mandated. Okay. No. And like he said, they're four, four hours. Like they have, I think they have three days now, but it used to be two days a week or two days a year <clears throat> where you had annual training at the sheriff's office. There were certain hour blocks, a couple hours of qualifying with your handgun, four hours of defensive tactics, certain amount of time doing scenarios. Like, like all the... the like legal criteria you got to meet every year. Mm -hmm. They would put you through. So it's like, more of a compliance thing. It's more of like every year you have to go through this training. So because, you know, obviously the answer for cops always is more training, more training, more training. But, you know, they're, they're shorthanded everywhere. You got to yeah. have people on the road. And it, yeah. it's tough to get, you know, a thousand people to go through a hundred hours of all these fancy trainings they want them to go through. Mm -hmm. You know, mental health, you know, whatever, de-escalation, you know defensive tactics all this yeah. stuff so so the ones that were good and confident usually went on their own people would go here gracie mm -hmm. different gyms uh but it, it wasn't a huge percent for sure okay. and then even when i offered the saturday classes toward the end they, it was open to all agencies but a lot of times it was like people from claremont coming or like different really different pds coming but from you know toward the end there was there's a handful of guys that we always train together but you know it wasn't like 50 people show up every saturday to get free training mm-hmm so they're just kind of back back then. They're just burnt, burnt out. Interesting. Now, do you have any interest in um, going back into law enforcement at some point? Don't know. Currently, no. Uh, but You're it an academic now. <laughs> yeah, I want to get old and be like an intellectual now. If I can get old and <laughs> calm it down a bit. Uh, but if I don't have any jobs open, which is possible, then I might have to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Just because of what you have in your resume and that, that would be the... Yeah, just that's where all my experience is. And then yeah. if I don't, if I can't get a job locally, which is probably what's going to happen, mm -hmm. if I can't get a, a professor job, you can't get you can't get hired at the place you get your PhD. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm stuck here, you know, my wife's doing well. You could be a Rollins College professor. I don't know if they even have... Yeah, I don't even know if they have criminal justice. So I don't know. I think they might. If I recall, they do. I don't actually... Take that back. I know they have criminal justice classes. I don't know if they have an actual program. Yeah, so I like I like the bigger picture now. I like kind of understanding the bigger concepts now. Um, so I would prefer I would prefer not to, but mm -hmm. I didn't hate it. I didn't really hate it even when I got out. I just felt you know like I wanted to move on. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed my time there for sure. So what what um, what are you trying to do now, like training wise? Obviously, you're not. I mean, we just had the pandemic. Um, I mean, it's trickling down, thankfully, it seems like. But, like, you're, you're working towards your PhD. What are the things that you, Nick Paul, even though you're shorter on time than you were in the past when you were training, you know, three hours a day, often days, um, what are the boxes you try to check off every week? Maybe not day by day, but, like, in a week, like, what are you trying to make sure you accomplish from a fitness and you know, training perspective. Cause you're trying to stay active. It's just, you have less time to do it. Yeah. I'm limited. I still get, I still get probably an hour and a half a day or so. So I still, since I, since the pandemic, I had to build that little wrestling yeah. massive gym in my shed. So I still have people come over, uh, 
probably three days. I still get a good three hours at least of grappling a week. I try to get a couple hours of Muay Thai in, mm -hmm. and then I still try to lift four, four days a week or, or so. I, I just don't – I don't want to get too tapped out in the next year or so. I don't want to be – I don't want to, like, maintain, and then as soon as I get my PhD – start getting back to getting better and stuff mm -hmm. like that again. What, uh, where do you have the weights? Because you had that tonal thing, which we all made it's fun fantastic. of. You. you should sell them, <laughs> sell them on your website. <laughs> but where are the, are the weights in your... In your uh, yeah, in the shed, yeah. That's awesome. Dude. Got real weights now. So do you have like a squat rack or what do you... No, have? just a bench. Just, just a bench. Just a bench. Barbells. Yeah. Um. yeah. I'm moving up. I'm moving slowly, slowly up. <laughs> um, what were... Who are some of your contemporaries on the jujitsu side that that came up with you? Like was was like Ryan Martman training at that time? Yep, he was training. Um, like when I first started, it was like I said, it was like Patino, Steve Ramos, Carapellucci. Mm -hmm. um, Th those are all fight team guys. Yeah, but they were doing jujitsu. They did everything. Yeah, else. they so did they were everything. Jujitsu. Sure. They're super smooth grapplers. Um, who else? Tommy was there for a while. Jim, Julius, Julian for mm -hmm. a while back then. Yeah, there everybody on that wall probably was around at the same time. Okay. And when did when So you started knockout then you guys moved to what was it, Deenan University? Yep. And then from there, you went to the Goldenrod location, which is like next to the... Everyone said next to the fish market or where the fish yeah, market is. It is so, right next to the Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, it's right. great. Dunkin' <laughs> Donuts. <laughs> Everyone says there's some fish thing there. I remember Jim saying that. And then from there, we moved here. Yep. That was where the gym moved here. Okay. So in terms of like what keeps you motivated to train? This is the Chris question. Oh, Chris always asks that. It's like... I mean, I know you said, I, I just don't want to drop off. You know, I want to resume. I want to, you know, but like you've been training for over 12 years. How do you stay motivated? Like you came in and you were rolling just now. Like how, what keeps you motivated? It's probably been, it's probably been 15 now, but um, I don't know. It's just like my favorite thing to do. Like I feel, I still like grappling the best now. Mm -hmm. I stopped liking striking. I mean, I still like striking, but I scratch my eyes a lot and the boxing gloves rub it and it, it's, oh. it annoys me to death. I have like corneal abrasions from people's fingers like scratching my eyes to where it like if i get hit with boxing gloves it reopens it it's just very annoying so i've been sticking to grappling the last four or five years or so mainly like for sparring and stuff and it's just i don't know it's just my favorite thing to do it has been since since i started okay so i think you go through periods where sometimes it feels like you're learning the same moves over and over again and you get kind of bored or you know you get sick of it but still even just getting the rounds in i, I don't think I, other than when i tore my acl i don't think i've gone more than a month or so without sparring and grappling and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So now have you trained at any other places besides like the gyms Paul's been running? No. Now was, was that, is that just because you didn't have any interest? Was there like a sense of loyalty there? Like what, what do you, cause I know like I, so Paul's told me when he was training, uh, under Marcio, you know, Dean had already gone to American Top Team. And at that point, it's like, even though they're best buds, it was like, well, I can't train with you anymore because I'm, I'm at this team right now. You don't, cross training wasn't a thing. That was like, 
weird back then. Now people gym hop a little more. So like, was that still ingrained in like the culture when you started, or was that just something where you're like, I could I couldn't be bothered. Like I'm getting the rounds here. No, I just for me, it's like you know there was a bunch of good instructors even at Knockout and stuff like yeah. that, and everybody branches off and everybody gets better and they branch off. Uh, but for me, it's just like who whose moves that you know they've taught me seem to work the most through all these years, and it's always been Paul. Okay. Whether it's stand up, you know, ground mixing stuff together, um, I've always thought he was the best. He was the best at teaching that. You know, when he's teaching. Mm-hmm. And so, so I got to cross train at the sheriff's office with you know black belts from other, from all around Orlando, because because they happen to work there. Yeah. Uh, so I get different technique and and people. It seems like different schools have different fundamentals and different concepts they teach. So I get to pick up on some of that. Uh, but I still think I still think Paul, in terms of just all around coaching and teaching, I wanted to learn how to mix it together too. I wasn't just like I want to learn jujitsu or you know this. I wanted to learn how to do all of it together. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's I still think I still think he's the best at that. At blending all, yeah, yeah. So give me um, give me some good stories where you applied like jujitsu on the job to restrain some crazy drunk person down. To, like, did the, you like with? Like, I'm sure, like, normally I'd ask people, like, give me some funny white belt stories. But you don't even have white belts. You don't have spazzy white belt stories. You have, like, drunken people in the street downtown Orlando stories. Yeah, but or, they weren't, it wasn't that bad. Like, most, most of the things I can remember is just basic, I would just body lock take down them and then just grab, like, a Kimura and, like, spin them on their, spin. because for cops, you just got to, you got to take them down, then you got to get, you really got to pin their shoulder to the ground. So basically, it's like doing key locks and kimuras and turning them around. And I, I didn't have any crazy like. I, th- I think only one. Because I, I tried to throw them down the stairs to take them down on the stairs. I fell into a mop bucket and got stuck. You fell into a mop bucket. <laughs> yeah, I fell into one. <laughs> I, I fell into one of those yellow mop buckets, and I got stuck because my belt was stuck in the in the freaking oh thing. God. And I, I was like folded up with my legs in yeah. my face, and uh, the guy was just standing there. I think he was going to run, and then somebody else tased him. Um, so I think that's the only one that, that didn't go super well. <laughs> but all the other ones, it, it, like I said, it just gives you the confidence to feel, you know, that it is, you're, you don't get all, you don't spaz and get all just body lock and take them did, um Did you do much off-duty work? No, no. No, I hated that. You hated that? That seems to be what a lot of the guys that at least train here currently do. They... Some people do make off. so much money. I, I maybe did two in 10 years. Uh, really? I was not, I like to be off when I was off, but I did other things like courtesy officer where I got a free apartment and stuff when I was still single. I had oh, a free three okay. bedroom apartment, so I, I could save money that way. But some people just love the money. Like I think it's 35 bucks an hour. Some of them are 50 bucks an hour and they just love. But like for me, I like doing two days on, two days off and that's it. What, what's, um, what's involved in being a courtesy police officer? I'd imagine that's basically like, you're in a complex, but they they know that there's a cop there, so yeah. they comp you the the. That's like different, but for that one, all I had to do was park my car there. You know, I live there, and then they actually had a curfew there. You couldn't be out at night, so I had to tell people to go in at night if, really? if they were out. But I only did that. I worked in the same area, so if I was on patrol, I could just tell them, you know, whenever I would go home to eat lunch or whatever, okay. if there's people out. But it was like it was like Section Eight housing. They had certain rules, like you couldn't be out at night hanging out. I mean, it's really weird, but it wasn't. It wasn't bad. So basically, they're saying no loitering on on yeah. the premise after a certain. Once it was dark, yeah. <laughs> and I think I had to lock the pool up or something like that. Yeah, to lock the pool. But it's you know it's that's a me. good gig, man. That, yeah, that saved, saved you a lot of money. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, what is uh, 
How's Connor? How's your son liking uh, jujitsu? He's good. He likes... And I mean, he's doing both, actually. Or I've seen him do yeah, both. Yeah, I, I teach him mostly striking. Like, I think for kids, I like Muay Thai and stuff better. Really? But he likes grappling better. So... Why do you like... Because most people would say, well, I don't want to expose my child to head trauma at a young age. Well, I don't like make him spar, you know, too much. He'll spar with me or something, mm-hmm. like, lightly. But, um... I don't know. I'm just... I, I don't know why. It's probably just me, but I, I don't like... I don't know if he's mature enough to know chokes and like arm bars and things like that I, I don't mind like takedowns and position and stuff like that i'll teach him sometimes mm-hmm. but i just don't i don't know i've always kind of wondered he doesn't know what's happening to him like you could sit there and arm bar him and he just lay there even though he knows he's supposed to tap i just i don't think they comprehend i know what's I've heard, gonna happen i've heard if, you say that one hey tap that's a tap <laughs> yeah well that's what i mean like there could be there's a big Your difference. arm about to go <laughs> yeah even in that promotion test here like he's just laying there while the kid's about to break his arm i'm like connor tap pay attention <laughs> you know he's, there's a big in my view there's a big difference when you're growing up between like an 11 year old and a 13 year old just strength wise and just stuff like mm-hmm. that where i just don't i don't know if they're you know he's mature enough to get all that okay so still train him anyway but i'm cautious that's good. And you're going to have more kids or no? No. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to have a son, and that worked out fast. That worked out. Yeah. <laughs> I know some guys that have, like, three daughters, and they're just... Yeah, no. no offense, I mean, yeah. no offense. They're lovely daughters. They love their daughters. Yeah. But they wanted, one, they wanted a son, too. <laughs> I just wanted a son, and I, that was it. So. Now, does your, uh, does your wife, does she have any interest in, in combat sports or anything like mm-hmm. that? or? Actually, she sometimes she boxes in the shed with me a little bit. Like she'll hit the pads and stuff, but she has no interest in grappling or, or doing. She watches. She'll watch the fights with me and stuff like that, but she has no interest in in that kind of stuff. Okay. Surprisingly, have you cornered anybody? No. Really? Grappling. I've cornered grappling tournaments and stuff like that, but not MMA. Not MMA. Mm-mm. I'm surprised. I thought I, for some reason I thought maybe back in the day you would have been in one of those. Nope. One of those situations. Were you? Um, were you exposed to that schedule thing that and if you if you recognize you'll recognize if not you won't the um Paul said at one point they and I'm just saying and I don't know when what time period but it could have been univers it could have been university of Gene, could have been knockout where it's like they were different tiers to a membership so that like Monday Tuesday would be curriculum days but then, like, Wednesday, Thursday would be, like, black belt days or something. It was very much like a karate. It borrowed from, like, karate schedules where if people paid extra on their membership. They would get to take special classes. I do not remember that. I think mine's always been the same. Okay. Since so I, kinda, it, yeah, I think yeah. I locked in at, like, knockout, and I've been stuck the same. <laughs> uh, thank God. But um, I wouldn't doubt stuff like that for sure. Like, yeah, you no, know, I, I got paying, that. having to do jujitsu and pay for Muay Thai and stuff. Uh, yeah, I gotta have Paul tell me because it was funny. It was, it's like a karate thing, but it, in karate, it makes more sense because you like, oh, you have normal class Monday, Tuesday, and then if you paid extra, then you'll learn how to use katanas or you, you know, you, <laughs> you know, it's a different like. Whereas in jujitsu, it's, it's hard to translate. It's like I showed you two Delhiva sweeps. I'm going to show you two special Delhiva techniques. Like it's just kind of. Yeah. One of those things. I don't remember that for sure. Okay. So what is, um, dude, I think, I think we've covered it, man. We've covered your life. We've covered what brought you up to here. Your training. I, I, you knock these questions out fast, man. Usually, 
Usually, pe- usually people like to harp on a little more. You're very much boom, 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 boom. So I got nothing else, man. There's no more questions? No more questions. You've been thorough in your... I'm, now I'm just like plucking things out of the air. I think we're good. Um, yeah, man. I can't think I agree. of anything And else. I'll just say, I guess that my main goal will be to never get tapped out by Justin. <laughs> <laughs> ever again that was ever your, in life that was so when did you meet Je- well, okay that's a great quote. when did justin come into the picture oh uh, that's been a while i don't think he's gotten any belts but he's no awesome. of course he's fantastic um i'd say it's got to be eight or nine years by now and how did he enter the he just showed up as some dude like all i no, know is this is the guy who likes to, he prefers he comes he likes to fish and then he comes in and pops people's heads off Oh, I don't know what he does now, but I know he was coming a lot. He was coming all the time back in the day. So he was he doing MMA? No. Oh yeah, no, he did do MMA, but it was just grappling with MMA gloves. I think like he's okay. More, so he's always been on the grappling side, not yeah, striking. super strong. Just rip your head off with some technique in there too. Like there, there is. Well, some I know technique he, in there. I guess, took one gi class. There's like a picture of him wearing a gi and a white belt, and then he. That was it, but he never... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. He's super strong. I'll, He's have got- have, I'll have to have him on because I have no idea. It's just he was just a fixture. Oh, yeah, there's this guy that doesn't wear a gi and gi class. And Who do, he could just lay he on just his bulldog. back. He, he just, yeah. Take side control. I'll pull your head off. <laughs> I think he's just rich and he's on like some rich people steroids, like uh, deer antler or whatever that is. He's not on real steroids, but he's on something. So okay, but in in all seriousness, the thing about Justin to me is he breaks the the like I'm very much guilty of this. Like I move like a jujitsu guy. Jujitsu uh, Justin does not move like a jujitsu guy, and he, and it's very confusing to someone that's expecting a guy to move the way I move. You know, like, oh, this is, this is what a jiu-jitsu guy's going to do. He's going to move like this. He's going to move like this. Justin doesn't do that. Yet, Justin has shown that what he does is effective. Yeah, he'll get your neck. So, sure. so my question is, could, could we mark it off as, well, this works because Justin is taking advantage of the fact that people are grappling with him and strikes are not involved? Or do you think what he does would work in, a, in an MMA scenario with strikes? Like, have you seen it work with strikes? I'm throwing it out there as a theory. I mean, I think it would be less effective with strikes, but I still think if he gets a hold of your neck, you're, you're done. No <laughs> matter, you, no matter what. If he gets a hold of your head, you're done for sure. If you go, like, chest to chest and he grabs any type of headlock at all, you're done. Well, that's his thing. Like, but he'll literally lie flat on his back. You'll go chest to chest, then he'll just hug your head and roll you, and then bulldog you. It's very weird strength. It's almost artificial. <laughs> so, is that something? Do you think? Do you think we're missing something in jujitsu that Justin's figured out, or do you think Justin is just so crazy strong that he breaks the matrix and doesn't? Yeah, I think it's just one move and a lot of strength. Really? Yeah, and if you if you could somehow avoid going chest to chest, then I think you'd be okay. But it'd be it's the most boring round. Well, that's the thing. I go with him now, and it's the most boring. Like, if I slip up, then he gets my head and he taps me. But otherwise, it's the most boring round. Because he yeah. just lays. Like, if he starts laying flat, I'll just put my arm across his throat. And then I'll just put my. I'll do kind of knee on stomach with my arm across. Because I won't under. If I, if I go under his head, I'm dead. Yeah. If you go chest to chest, you're done. So sure. I, put, I, <laughs> I just kind of just put my forearm on his throat. But then I'm not going to Americana Justin. I'm not going to Kimura Jess. <laughs> no. And he's not going to give me an arm to even try to arm bar. So I don't. I think maybe if you could just stand over him and punch him, 
you'd be okay. But I think at some point he would still get your neck. <laughs> and I also, I'm, I haven't seen him since Corona too many times. I haven't grappled him, so hopefully, maybe he got weak over the. He has gotten a little weaker. Yeah, I could. He see squeezed that. my head, and I haven't tapped now. I'm like, oh man, you're getting weak, man. Yeah, he used to put your teeth through your lip if you <laughs> <laughs> didn't even just get his arm around your face. But I don't know. I hope he's gotten worse. I hope he's listening and he got worse. No, he. Uh yeah, he's 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 an interesting he's an interesting guy, but yeah, a lot of the shit that you I think combination of him and you have shown me stuff that that helps counter him a little bit. Like, were you the one that showed me to to just like frame in his throat when he tries to like uh, do the the can opener? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I do that all the time, and that's work. Like he'll try to can open to me and guard, and I'll just I'll just literally punch his Adam's apple. <laughs> so then he's just he's like pulling my he's pulling. I'm like, yeah, man, go 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 for it. But sometimes he's still so strong. Like sometimes he still gets it. <laughs> I just can't. Remember, I gotta have a good. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> my wrist bag is gonna go. Oh man. That's... And it's deceptive because he doesn't look that strong. <sighs> I mean, he's 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 tall, and and he's by no means like. Oh, thin, wiry guy, but he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't look like Jeremiah. No, you know. So I don't. Mm. I guess he just has the genetics, man. And he didn't even. He didn't even fight. He just lang- those genetics languished. <laughs> he, ne- he never. <laughs> so okay, on, on that front, because you know the guy was back then. Um, is it true that um, Steve Ramos? Was like the the most ath- the the freakishly athletic guy. Oh, he was very good. He was strong, super good. Like I heard, player. like but I've heard these stories. Like oh, he just grabbed your wrist and it's like it's over. Like you're not getting it back. Like was I remember him being strong, but Justin's pretty strong too. And <laughs> and Steve's brother was strong. Danny was strong too. So I don't know, but I think you know I think Justin's got some type of unique fake strength going there. I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> He's got what Gordon Ryan's on right now. Yep. <laughs> well, listen, Nick, I won't keep you any longer, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to to chit-chat with me for a little bit. Yep. Thank you so much. Hey, man. Thank you. <laughs>